Welcome to another episode of 35 West. My name is Margarita Seminario. I am the Deputy Director of the Americas Program at CSIS. How professional the Mexican But government. are we ready? Um, I don't reform trends in Argentina. Right. And that's what happened. No role at all in the NAFTA negotiations. The term creative economy captures all sectors whose goods and services are based on intellectual property. This includes media, technology, advertising, art, cultural heritage, and much, much more. There is one country in Latin America that has really pioneered the creative economy as a matter of public policy. That country is Colombia. This week, we are joined by Mr. Felipe Buitrago, Vice Minister of Creative and the Orange Economy within the Colombian Ministry of Culture. Vice Minister Buitrago is one of the chief architects of Colombia's efforts to promote the growth of the creative economy. He previously served as an advisor to President Iván Duque on economic and strategic affairs. Before that, he was the director of the Colombian Chamber of Information and Technology and Communication Think Tank. Vice Minister, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Margarita, for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here at CSIS uh, podcast. Let's get started. In 2013, you co-authored a book with Colombian President Ivan Duque, who at the time was serving as Colombia's representative to the Inter-American Development Bank. In this book, you and President Duque coined the term orange economy. Share with us what's behind this term, why orange, and what sort of industries fall into this category? Well, uh, back in 2012, actually, um, uh, it was very serendipitous that uh, President Ivan Duque, then a chief of culture, solidarity, and creativity at the Inter-American Development Bank, and I met through a friend. And we start talking about uh, many, many things. He, he's a very curious person. And, and one of the topics we started talking about was the creative economy. And one of the things we talked about was how come something so important, so central in the 21st century is so much overlooked by economists and policymakers in the wide region of Latin America and the Caribbean. You have the work of Richard Florida, you have the work of John Hawkins, you have the work of Ernesto Piedras, you have the work of many, many intellectuals and economists, but they were clearly a minority and, and very little attention was paid uh, to this topic. So, so we started talking about what to do about placing culture as a key element of development in the 21st century. Because we are, according to Klaus Schwab, right now facing the fourth industrial revolution. And many others speak about the second machine age. Others speak about the knowledge economy and, and many other terms. But at the end, they all mean the same thing, is things are changing and they are changing fast because a commodity-based economy is now turning into an ideas-based economy. And on that, culture is central. So how come people are not connecting the dots. And one of the reasonings we made behind is this lacks unity of understanding. Because just like Fourth Industrial Revolution, Second Machine Age, and many, many names, uh, but they are very big anyway, and, and they have a lot of advocates. When you speak about the economics behind culture, you have 
people speaking about entertainment industries, people speaking about cultural industries, creative industries, uh, cultural economics, uh, the cultural field activities, and, and many, many terms, uh, copyright protected industries by WIPO, and, and many, many approaches. And they were all right on the spot, but they lacked unity. And we made a comparison in our heads, in our conversation with the environmental movement. You have many, many approaches to environmental sustainability, but they are all green. So we said what this is lacking is identity. So we start looking around for what kind of identity could the cultural economic, the creative economy have. And, and, and then you start researching and, and you find that orange is a color that is widely associated in, in, in history and religion and in culture with art, with creativity, with leadership, with transformation. And what sort of industries fall in this category? Well, uh, there are many definitions and we try to put together a broad definition that can be adapted depending on what you need. You want to do policy, you want to do business plans, you, you, you have to have some, some, some flexibility. But at the end, uh, the, the industry you have to have there are those that are clearly related with creativity, with uh, ideas, with heritage, also that they can be protected by copyright, by intellectual property, like around design in particular and brands, and also that they are part of a value chain. It means it's not just creativity, it's also how you translate those ideas into goods and services through production, distribution, and consumption. And then you have three broad categories of activities. One, you have arts and heritage. You have performing arts, visual arts. You have uh, your heritage sites, uh, archeological uh, spaces, uh, museums, traditional cuisine, and, and, and that kind of stuff. That's the, the, the core of culture for most people. Then you have the cultural industries. There you have audiovisual, you have TV, you have cinema, you have radio. You have also uh, the editorial, the publishing industry, everything that is printed, books, newspapers, magazines, right, comics. And then you have the phonographic industry. And here you not only have the, the, the recorded music, you also have the big industry around events, around concerts. And then you have the functional creations. Most of them are new, contemporary, and some of them are traditional and, and sometimes not properly understood as part of culture. This latter part, think about advertising or think about architecture. They are very key for cultural capital development, but very often they are pushed aside from the cultural debates because their function is not direct, but they definitely build culture. The new ones are designs in general, especially now that you have design for web and you have video games and you have also uh, the these digital platforms like the over-the-top uh, platforms like netflix or or amazon prime but also you have the social networks where people are moving increasingly to have their cultural engagement and conversation so these are the activities our approach is not just the, the creative part or the doing part it's also how it connects with everything we do in terms of developing our society and our culture that's terrific. And what is the estimated size of the orange economy in Colombia? Right now, uh, we have set up a, a satellite account on culture and the orange economy. I must say that the Colombian satellite account on culture is the oldest in the world. It was established in 2007 
Uh, we defeated the Finns by like one or two months, and, and we have continued improving our statistical approach to culture. And we now know it, it is about 3.2% of our gross value added in the economy. Uh, and it's a very big employer. It's almost 3% of employment in the country. How can the orange economy serve as an engine for social and economic inclusion in, in Colombia? How does it serve? A country like Colombia, which is a country quite large, is, is about three times the size of France. It's a country divided in many, many regions. It's full of diversity. And very often, uh, our approach to development, to creating opportunities, has been very well-intentioned, but directed from the center without uh, taking into account differences in geography, in tradition, and in community behaviors. So when we speak about developing the orange economy, what we are doing is going directly to the regions and saying, your culture is important. It's our most precious asset in the 21st century. That's what can define us in comparison to other cultures, to other ideas, to other ways of expressing our narratives and our stories. So we start by, by acknowledging that existence of a different distinctive culture everywhere in the country. And from that, we say, how you understand development, how you want to approach a more inclusive, respectful of environment and traditions, instead of trying to impose a model of development, is going and building a model of development based on culture, diversity, and the natural environment of the communities. And we are starting to receive quite a very interesting feedback from the communities. And, and local authorities are thrilled to be asked what they think. And that, I think, is a great opportunity for a dialogue that is much more constructive. So, so I think um, when you speak about the role of creative economy in inclusion, it's first and foremost about recognizing differences and making them valuable in the construction of a better country. And in what ways to traditionally underrepresented groups like women or youth fit into that vision? It goes exactly in the same way as with the local representativeness. Because, because when you have this approach to the regions, the first thing you find is that in many regions, leadership roles are filled by women and are filled by uh, representatives from communities that have been historically sidelined in decision-making processes. So just by, by, by being there and listening is very important. Of course, we are taking other measures in order to have a more active role in including different minorities in decision-making processes. So we have affirmative action towards women, towards indigenous and what we call NARP communities. And also a very important one is people with disabilities because they have a lot to offer in terms of creativity, but very often... They are sidelined because you need to do an extra effort to provide them with the tools that level the playing field. So we are, of course, not quite there yet, but we have everything related with that in our, in our mire, and we are actually moving towards trying to, to achieve as much inclusion as possible. Terrific. Let us shift a little bit towards, towards policy. Colombia has taken several steps in recent years to promote the orange economy, In 2017, I understand, the Colombian Congress passed a law, La Ley Naranja, the Orange Law, which included several financial incentives 
for creative industries. Can you walk us through some of the highlights of that policy effort? And also, how did you manage to convince members of Congress that this was a worthwhile effort? So not just pass a law, but also put funding behind it, which at the end of the day is what makes it or breaks it. The process is interesting because we are building upon a tradition that comes actually embedded in our general law on culture, which comes from 1997. And that law uh, understands and harnessed the, the vision of UNESCO in 1982 of understanding the concept of culture and development as something that goes together. I mean, it's the first time we had a multilateral declaration acknowledging culture as a key actor for development. Uh, and, and, and that understanding in Colombia has been developed step by step, brick by brick over the last 23 years. So by 2017, we already had uh, several uh, policy developments in that direction. We had established a film law in order to develop a film industry. We had established a live events law in order to create and to fortify uh, an industry for events. We also had uh, several laws improving uh, the recognition and enforcing of uh, some copyright laws. And by 2017, with the book and an understanding, we did a trick. We did not put direct funds and a stimulus inside the law, but building on the experience of Colombia and what we have been watching around, uh, in particular Chile, the UK, Indonesia, and South Korea, uh, we took a very important step forward by understanding and acknowledging that cultural development, this culture and development concept, is not something that can be done by the Ministry of Culture alone. So what we did is we transversalized the responsibility. We enabled a lot of institutions in the country to take action in developing culture. So what we did is indirectly, we created the possibility for the Ministry of Information Technologies and Communication to invest in culture, to the Ministry of Labor to take action in providing social security to artists, creatives, and, and managers of culture. Uh, we also improved the ability of the Ministry of Trade uh, commerce, uh, industry and tourism to also develop programs for entrepreneurship and to develop the abilities for people to work with the, our national apprenticeships agency and so on. We activated the possibilities of everybody that has something to do for the cultural uh, ecosystem to work together. So we created, as part of the law, the National Council for the Orange Economy. And that council has seven ministers seated. And of course, you can create a law and never do anything about it. So it was very important that President Duque became the president because his leadership has been central for the council to actually work real fast. I mean, you can work in, in two lanes. You can go in the slow lane, going step by step, <laughs> or you can have, you know, the fast lane and have in the driver's seat somebody like the President Duque demanding action, demanding results, and making everybody work around culture. So that's pretty much what we have been doing. It was tricky because without establishing a specific stimulus, we managed to activate a lot of investment towards the creative sector. Now, now that the president is the president, we have our national planning law every four years, 
and our current law did create a lot uh, of incentives that are, we, we are now implementing for the benefit of creatives in Colombia. It's really a cross-cutting, holistic approach to policy development, and hopefully that will contribute to this being sustainable. So really fascinated. Let's talk a little bit about our current context and, and what's going on with, with COVID, to be frank. One of the points that you emphasize in your work is that the orange economy is incredibly resilient and much less volatile than oil or other commodity markets. We are living in tremendously challenging times, and Latin America has been very hard hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. Colombia is no exception. So help us understand how can the creative economy adapt to the COVID-19 context? First, we have to speak a little bit about how hard COVID is for culture. I mean, for sure, COVID is, is, is hard on, on everything. I mean, everything in the economy has been taking a toll. However, a culture is very dependent on crowds. And the first thing that COVID does is create people uh, anxious about crowds. That is, is affecting culture in many, many ways. Now, culture uh, through the pandemic in Colombia and everywhere has been showing uh, amazing things. People being in their houses have turned towards screens and towards books and towards all kinds of virtual tours on everything. Art, heritage, creatives have been probably experiencing one of their most interesting times. I mean, for sure, many are facing difficult uh, economic times, but I, I think all of them, or most of them, are also experiencing a, a lot of inspiration uh, to create and to experiment with formats, with narratives and, and everything. So culture right now uh, is one of the sectors I think has been adapting fastest to what is going to be a new reality. And here you have to also understand that COVID is not changing the curse of, of long-term trends, it's actually accelerating them. So everything we were experimenting in terms of a digital transformation, and, and many analysts said that in 60 days in the world happened a digital transformation that was expected to take 60 months. So it's been 30 times faster than expected. Where we were supposed to be in 2025, we are now in terms of adoption of technologies. And that, of course, increases the damage that a digital divide or a digital gap creates. So what we need to do now is let creatives work. We are working in Colombia in order to inject them uh, resources to finance. We have been accelerating our incentives for investment, and we are also changing our approach on how we help the sector adapt uh, and do things. And, and with all of this, what we expect is for the sector, not just to rebound, but to come out of the crisis improved with better practices, with a, a better understanding of the new technologies, uh, and, and playing an active role in, in three things. The first is helping society heal. As long as creatives and artists and, and the industry behind entertainment assumes that role of having to heal society, because we are all experiencing very difficult things right now, they are going to be way more appreciated by society. People will, 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 and it's happening. You know, people is turning towards books, movies, and TV shows in order to, 
to, to find, you know, some solace in terms of what's going on. Uh, the, the second part is that content via screens or via books or via music is going to teach us, all of us, how to behave in the post being in our houses because the post-pandemic does not exist. The pandemic is going to be around for a hundred years at least. But, but we are going to be, you know, to change our behaviors. And, and, and the thing is, people would say, oh no, that's, that's ridiculous. We are not going to, to, to learn how to live with this thing forever. Well, we have already done that. I mean, we adapted to, to washing our hands often because of the 1918 flu. We learned to use or to expand our sewage systems everywhere in the world, even in developing countries, because of that flu. And I mean, we established social security, in particular health services worldwide, because of the 1918 flu. So definitely, this pandemic is going to create a new way of behavior and new institutions and new social cues about how to behave in many things. And culture is going to show us how we will transform our mentality and our behavior in order to adapt. And the third thing is culture is going to be there to remind us of our roots as an anchor of where we come from. And as long as we do our healing and our transformation uh, with, with that anchorage to, to our identity, we are going to trans transcend as a society. We're going to become stronger and better after this crisis. Otherwise, we're just going to copy-paste whatever people does, and we are going to be losing in the process our, our identity. I don't think that's going to happen because I can see right now artists, creatives, and companies reinventing themselves. Many of them hate to be told to reinvent. But guess what? Culture, creativity, and creative companies are constantly reinventing whether or not they have to face a pandemic. They are just doing it now faster than they are usually doing it. Your words do my heart a lot of good, let me tell you. Let me ask you one final question. What are some of the lessons learned in Colombia on created economy and that could perhaps be useful for other countries in Latin America? I think the first lesson that we have been all learning is we cannot take our cultural community for granted. For many years, and, and most countries tend to have a very not formal approach towards its cultural sector. I mean, we have some information. We have been working because of our tradition around the creative economy for over 20 years. We have been relatively systematic about getting information about the sector. But the moment the crisis came, we did not have a registry of our artists, our creatives, or our, our creative companies. So we were not ready to go there and say, I know you are here and you must be facing some difficulty. Here are the programs and the support that you can, you can find. So we have been, like, like in a way, trying to help mitigate the impact of the crisis, but with a lot less information than, 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 than what is optimal in order to allocate resources fast and efficiently. So, and I think this is happening pretty much everywhere in the world. You, you look and the actions taken by most countries, and, and we are all trying to, to put together some effect. We have better information than most countries in Latin America, so we have been able to reach our community faster and better, but we are not satisfied. We know that we need to work harder in order to acknowledge better our community of creatives and artists in order to, I mean, we cannot go back in time, but from now on, in the recovery and in the future, 
we have to be better. So because of that, we, we have been learning a lot on the things that, that can be done to improve the environment. And we are, ta we are taking actions in, in adapting better the tax system. So it's better for the sector to make decisions and to mobilize capital in order to create new products. We are also establishing a new registry so we can have a better understanding on the conditions of living of our creatives. One of the things we have found without the intention is that we assumed that uh, creatives and artists were concentrated in the, in the, in the bottom 20% of the income in the society in many cases. What we have been finding is that there are some artists and creatives in that bottom 20%, which was where most of our actions in the government in Colombia were directed in order to, to mitigate the effects of the pandemic. But what we have found is that creatives, the artistic community, is not concentrated in that 20%. It's concentrated in the next 20%, which has been pretty much the, the most difficult to reach with support through the pandemic. So at the end, the most vulnerable have been relatively well attended through the pandemic, but the next in vulnerability have been the least supported through the pandemic. So we have been learning painfully that we did not know enough about our sector. So we need more information and we need more cooperation. We need much more dialogue. We have been struggling to get, you know, a communication. You, you know, people are anxious, people are angry, people are confused. Uncertainty definitely clouds the minds of people. So having conversations uh, in order to think about the future while you are having problems today is difficult. But it's very important to, to develop the channels of communication and to improve our ability to build together with the community, with enterprises, with other uh, sectors, the solutions. So, so I guess there are many lessons there. Just like for creatives, it's a very interesting time in terms of creativity. For policymakers, it's also very interesting times to correct a lot of assumptions and improve our ability to make decisions. We are taking this to heart and making interesting changes. We are creating now a fund for the creative uh, community. It's a fund for heritage, culture, arts, and creativity. And one of the key elements we have there is to start creating a reserve for different crises. Hopefully never a crisis like this one, but the sector is prone to little crises. And we never have resources to mitigate the impact of those crises locally because there are, I don't know, sometimes happens a natural disaster and the creative sector is, is, protected, is not protected there. So having money for that, or sometimes you have sectoral crises, like the, the crisis that we were already facing in terms of digital transformation, and we did not have resources in order to provide, you know, incentives for the transformation. So we are learning about that. We are also learning that social security uh, needs to reach faster our creatives. Uh, many of them tend to be freelancers and tend to navigate under the radar in terms of, of being formal. We now know formality, formalization of, of contracts and of activities is extremely important in order to support them in, in case of a crisis. So these are some of the lessons. Sorry, they are not very well um, structured yet because we're in the middle of this and we are trying to learn as we go. But definitely, I think what comes is a much better environment for creativity. It's just that right now, it feels messy, it feels awful, 
and there's a lot of uncertainty, but I'm pretty sure, if anything, what has happened is an acceleration of the role of creativity in the economy, and we are going to start seeing that in a very interesting way in the, in the years to come. And by 2030, we will have a very creative economies around the world. Well, it's been fascinating speaking with you. A lot of food for thought. We appreciate it. I certainly learned a great deal today. And I do look forward to continuing uh, this conversation, hopefully, hopefully in Colombia, maybe in Cartagena, but definitely look forward to continuing this conversation. Definitely uh, the inspiration that can be provided by the walls of Cartagena or by a, a natural environment are definitely always welcome. And I cannot wait to go back to have this kind of conversation in environments which are much more inspiring. Well, something to look forward to in 2021. For you, thank you again for joining. Stay tuned for the next episode of 35 West. <laughs>